Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Happy July 1st. Independence Day is only three days away. Lauren, do you have any favorite July 4th memories? Oh, it's so hard. I mean, being in D.C. for now 10 years, really old. So I've old. gotten to do so many cool things on the 4th of July. Heritage does a great 4th of July party every year on the roof, and we get these awesome views. I've been on boats on the Potomac. Oh. But what sticks out to me right now is last year during the pandemic, very quiet celebration with me and my family. My sister and brother-in-law was their first trip away from their baby mm. that I got to babysit her. So it was just like I got to cut it with a baby and I Aww. had just gotten my kittens. And so it was like literally I was just like <laughs> cute overloaded. And then we bought fireworks and shot them off. So it was just a fun that's so yeah. fun. You yeah, know. that's like what July 4th should be. Like yes. Family and cuteness and fireworks. <laughs> what about you? You know, again, yeah, so many so many special memories. I think for me it's uh, just having having that time with family. It feels like um, a, a low-pressure holiday as far as, you know, it, it's not the busyness of Christmas, but it is still so family-focused. Uh, and a few years ago I was up in New Hampshire on July 4th, And uh, my family and I just happened to be kind of driving down a country road and we stumbled upon this awesome lake that had just like this beautiful cascade of mountains in the back. And we were just like, you want to pull over and swim? And we did. And it was just like one of those fun experiences. It's like it's not on your itinerary, but like, hey, this is a cool spot. And it was just like this really, really special afternoon um, just hanging out with the family and swimming in this beautiful spot. that's awesome. Yeah. So we hope that you all have an awesome July 4th. Uh, Hey, tweet at us with any fun pictures we'd love to see or post on Instagram and use the hashtag problematic women. All right. What do we have queued up on today's show? Up on today's problematic women, we talk with mother and daughter track athletes, Cynthia and Margaret Montalone. Both Cynthia and Margaret have competed against biological men in track races. Cynthia at the professional level and Margaret in high school. Now they are speaking out and sharing their story because they say every woman deserves the right to an equal playing field or track. Get it? Plus, athlete Gwen Berry turned her back on the American flag during the national anthem at the Olympic trials. We discuss whether or not Barry should represent the U.S. at the Games in Tokyo. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, Please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. I am so pleased to be joined by track athletes and mother and daughter, Cynthia and Margaret Montalone. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. Aloha. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak up and use our voices. Yeah, uh, no, it's a real, real privilege to talk with you all. Uh, You all, as you say, aloha, you're down in Hawaii. I'm a little bit jealous of that. Love your background. Mahalo. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about how a lot of people think it's virtual because it's so beautiful. And we're just we're so fortunate to live in such a beautiful place. 
Yeah. Oh, it is gorgeous. Well, I want to begin by asking you to share a little bit about your own passion for running. You're both track athletes. How did you uh, become so interested in running and, and become athletes? Um, so I actually used to run everywhere as a child. So my grandmother lived basically next door, about 100 yards away in the Catskill Mountains in New York. And I would run to her house all the time. I, anytime someone sent me to do something, I would be running. So I really felt at an early age that I liked to run. Um, and my daughter was the same way I noticed when she was growing up. Um, no one was asking her to do it. She was just doing it. And then um, my let's see, it was, I think it was like ninth grade. My PE teacher who also coached the track team said, I was about eighth grade. She said, um, oh, you should run track. You're a 400 meter runner. And I tell her, <laughs> wow, weren't you right? Because here I am 45 years old and I'm still a 400 meter runner. <laughs> wow. So, that is yeah. amazing. And that's not an easy race. I, I also ran track and I know that the 400 is like the most brutal race to run because coaches are like, yeah, this is pretty much a sprint. Yes. Uh, but it's a very long sprint. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of hard work and, and sacrifice to run the 400. Um, the, I think there's a story about Usain Bolt uh, had a bet with his coach. Like if I could run fast enough in the 100, he wouldn't make him train for the 400 because <laughs> nobody wants to train for the 400. Um, but we love We like it. We like the hard work. And, um, you know, as a coach, I really like the lessons that the hard work teaches. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can get into that. But uh, yeah, so I fast forward, I re was recruited to run track in college, um, because I did very well in high school for my local um, community. And so I was recruited to run at the U University of North Carolina, Wilmington, a division one school, I ended up top five in the East Coast in the 500 indoor, which I think the 400s hard, <laughs> the 500s even harder. Um, and uh, yeah, and then just went on to have my career, I had three kids. And uh, at age 40, my daughter said to me, Mom, I want to run track in college on scholarship like you did. Can you train me for the 400? And that's where our, our recent story began. Yeah, yeah. So, Margaret, for you, what is it about running that you love? I just really love how my training pays off. And I love going to race and competitions and seeing how successful I can be running and it can provide me with so many opportunities like scholarships to college or even gold medals. So I like traveling and I like just the whole sport is just so much fun to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so neat. Well, you all recently did a, a documentary with the Independent Women's Forum telling your story and explaining that you both now uh, have competed in track events against biological men. So let's kind of begin at the beginning of that story. Uh, Cynthia, I know that, you know, you decided as an adult, okay, I want to begin competing again. And in 2018, uh, you actually qualified for Team USA at the World Masters Athletics Championship in Spain. Before, uh, before you went and before that competition, you found out that you were going to be competing against a biological man. What were your thoughts when you learned that news? Um, well, I was just, you know, really curious as to the fairness of it. And I started to investigate the rules that were in place, um, you know, and I found the testosterone requirements. But whenever I asked, um, you know, who was, who was either checking on this or who was deciding these rules, I would sometimes at first get some interest and then it was swept under the rug. It was, oh, no, no, we, like we can't talk about that. Um, and I really felt like it, the, um, the people I, were, I was talking to, they were also curious and then they were telling, being told to be quiet about it. Um, that was the feeling I got. And so, um, 
yeah, I was, I knew, so when I got there, I was expecting answers and I still had no answers as to where, you know, what the fairness of this was and how they were going about checking if it was fair or which of course it's, there's, doesn't even matter about testosterone, um, because it's still not fair. And so, uh, yeah, then I was, I was basically told that I shouldn't speak up that if I really, for my own safety, I should stay silent. Um, so I said, Nope, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> I'm going to continue to speak up because I want answers and uh, as a, I, my job is a metabolic practitioner. And so I'm constantly reading science. I actually read about 50 medical journal articles or science uh, articles per week minimum. And so I'm familiar with um, the endocrine system and hormones and the science of it. And so I knew that something was, something was up. Like, you know, why were these decisions being made when clearly biological males have an advantage over females that's not based on testosterone? Um, so yeah, I was, I was very confused as to why no one was giving me answers and why they were telling me to be quiet. So what was the result of that race back in 2018? Oh, that's a great question. So, uh, I remember when I first started speaking up about this, um, it was back when I was still on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I had mentioned like, Hey, like just women deserve a fair playing field. We've always been very compassionate to all athletes involved. And so um, I know, you know, I always keep things pretty stick to the facts, like women deserve a fair playing field. And, and some um, uh, psychologist, I believe, had commented, well, you're just mad because you lost your race. And I said, well, I'm sorry, you didn't get the memo. I actually didn't lose. (laughs) I beat this individual by a few tenths of a second. But that doesn't mean it's not an issue. Um, because then that individual came back six months later and stood on the podium um, for a medal that my team that my teammate could have gotten. So and, and the prize money that comes with it. So there are so many opportunities that are lost for these women that are competing. Um, and that was a much shorter race. So it gets very complicated in the way that um, people think, oh, okay, well, just because you won, then it's not an issue. But yeah. then it's of course it's an issue because you know it's what we call comparably gifted and trained. So in for instance in the state of Hawaii in 2019 in the 400 meters in high school, uh, there are about almost 700 participants around that uh, for the boys 400. About 350 of them could beat the state champion female. 350, okay. So that means that my lesson to my girls that I coach that hard work pays off. That lesson falls apart because quite literally a mediocre male, like right down the middle, mediocre, could be a state champion female. And what if then they start training and then they're beating, you know, the most elite females, basically. A high school boy could beat the most elite female athlete in the Olympics. So it just really doesn't make sense. So just because I may have won my particular race to someone who may have not been conditioned for that race then that doesn't mean it's not an issue because then they came back in a shorter race where they definitely used their, you know, I would say their, their hip structure and body structure, that sort of thing to win that race. Um, yeah. So the critics will pick, you know, one side or the other to argue either you didn't train hard enough or it's not an issue because you won, but you can't have it both ways. (laughs) No, you can't. Margaret, you have personal experience with this as well. You're in high school uh, at a private school in Hawaii and uh, you competed also against a biological man. Tell me about that experience. 
My freshman year of high school, at my first ever high school track meet, uh, I competed against a biological male in my race, the 400 meter dash. Um, I knew this individual had definitely an advantage. They were physically bigger and stronger. And when I stepped on the line to run the race, I could tell that it was completely unfair. I ended up coming second into my race, and it was super disheartening for me and my teammates. One of my teammates even said, uh, what's the point of doing track anymore? There's just no point if I'm just going to be displaced by this individual who's very much stronger than me and has an advantage. So I thought it was definitely unfair, and I thought it would be a lot more fair if we had a fair playing field. Yeah. By how much did that biological uh, man beat you? Um, I think it was about three or four seconds. Three or four seconds, I think. You could definitely tell. Yeah, which for those who aren't familiar with uh, with timing and track, that is a massive amount of time uh, in in a four hundred meter. That that is very very significant. Do you remember at the end of that race, Margaret, what was going through your head? I was uh, a little bit disheartened because I'd worked so hard through the whole year, just training for this first ever meet of my season, and I just remember that I could have gotten first and I could have gotten first in my heat and. It was really disappointing to me to see my hard work uh, pay off just for a yeah. second place. Cynthia, I know you know it's it's one thing to experience this yourself to compete against a biological man. It's another to watch your daughter compete against a transgender athlete. What what were you feeling? What were you thinking when you saw Margaret lose to that biological man? Well, you know, the first thing I thought in my eyes, she's clearly the winner. (laughs) Um, But uh, the second thing I thought was, uh, we need to just keep speaking up about this because this is not right. And I talked to some people about filing an uh, OCR complaint, Office of Civil Rights, and I was told you can't file a complaint. And I want to be really clear with your listeners that if someone tells you you can't file a complaint, they're wrong. You, Of course you can file a complaint. But that's the type of pushback that I immediately was getting, even in regards to her running. You can't file a complaint. Of course I can file a complaint. I'm a citizen. I have a right to file a complaint. So I did. And it took um, all the way from February until November for them to come back with the decision that because that individual went to a private school, it wasn't the jurisdiction of the Office of Civil Rights. So what had happened is uh, all of the departments, whether it's the HHSAA, Sporting uh, Association, or the MIL, our league, or the Department of Education, which oversees the MIL, so it really was their jurisdiction, they all kept throwing the ball to the other person. And so this is what we're seeing um, because nobody wants to address it um, and nobody wants to be at fault for something. But what they don't realize is that us Uh, women are going to keep speaking up about it and they are going to be at fault for discriminating against biological women. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that it has kind of become a game of pass the ball and and no one's willing to actually step up uh, and make some real calls on this issue? Well, my theory is that um, it's just become politicized and it shouldn't be. And I'll tell you why it shouldn't be, because I know everyone I know, Democrat or Republican, doesn't matter the party. They all agree that this is unfair So I I just, you know, polling suggests that it's a very large amount. I want to say like 80 or 90 percent of all people, regardless of political affiliation, agree that, you know, we we can't have this. Uh, They can't be in the same category. So I am just really concerned at the um, the how it's been polarized um, 
by, you know, certain associations and individuals. And this, you know, this current administration has definitely polarized it by making their decisions and their policies. And it's unnecessary because everyone agrees that this should not be happening. Yeah. Margaret, for for you, have you spoken with your teammates about this issue? Is this something that, um, you know, fellow athletes at your school are talking about? Yeah, I've received mostly support from my teammates and from everybody because some of them have had to run up against this individual and some they all know the struggle of having trained so hard and having your hard work pay off. And so, yeah, just I've received mostly support. (laughs) That's really good. That's good news. And Cynthia, as you mentioned, you you coach. You coach women really at at all levels. Um, What is the – what is – the response from, you know, other women that you're working with, what are their thoughts on this situation? Hey, again, like, wow, I I coach everyone from high school athletes to Olympians. And, um, you know, today is actually a great day for me because I just had two of my clients this past weekend um, make the Olympic team. They both congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful. They both won first place. Not only did they make the team, but they were they won the national title. So um, they're just powerhouse women and they absolutely agree with me. And you know what? They both have different political affiliations and different beliefs about things, but they both agree that we cannot have biological men in the female category. And, you know, the, the other side will say they're, they used to have science as their argument and say, well, if you just change the testosterone, if you just change the hormones, then, you know, it's fair. But now that they've realized that the science has come out that doesn't that proves otherwise, that even after hormone therapy and after gender reassignment surgery, that male-bodied athletes still have an advantage. Now their go-to argument is just, we just have to call them girls because that's what they want to be called, period. Mm. And no other arguments. And that just won't hold up. You know, that's not okay. We need to just keep speaking up because that does not make any kind of sense. It's not common sense. Um, And yeah, so I just encourage others to really use your voice. And uh, you know in in your heart and in your instinct what's right and what's not right. And that you should speak up about that. Well, and like you say, this is a really challenging issue, Cynthia. And I think uh, so many people are afraid to speak out on it. What would be your response to someone that says, you know, it, it's not fair to not allow a transgender athlete to compete uh, with the gender that they identify with? Well, you know, I, I think to be clear, I think everyone should compete. Like I think all, um, athletes should compete. Like there is no banning anyone. Um, but that being said, there needs to be a distinction to keep the, the sport fair and to keep, um, biological women, to keep them advancing in the opportunities available to them. And when, um, when you actually consider only the struggle of the trans athlete, you're really doing an injustice and discounting the struggle of the female athlete that's worked so hard to get to that place. Because again, you could work so hard to be the number one state champion female, but 350 boys could take that place if they identify as a girl. I mean, that just doesn't make sense because the, you know, if you're number 349, you're obviously not working as hard as that female. Yeah. So what's your encouragement to other women or athletes who are either watching this issue or maybe experiencing a situation firsthand where they're having to compete against a biological man? What would you say to them? What should they do? Well, I would say to those athletes, 
absolutely have compassion for everyone, um, you know, and then make sure that you can use your voice. And don't be afraid to use your voice because the facts are, are there and common sense and science is behind you, are behind you. Like, you know, you have all of the support you need. You just have to use your voice because if everyone keeps using their voice, then we, we will be heard. So what's next for you all? Margaret, let's begin with you. Do you plan on continuing to run, continuing to really speak out on this issue? Yeah, I plan to continue to run. I plan to run in college. Hopefully I can get a scholarship. And I definitely continue to uh, plan to speak out on this issue because I believe it's important for other young girls who might be in the same situation as I am. It would be uh, wrong of me to not speak out for so many other girls. Yeah, it's very, very bold of you to do so. And Cynthia, are you going to uh, keep running yourself, keep coaching? Yes, um, I uh, I will keep running, um, keep competing. Um, however, you know, I, I do have an issue with some of the associations allowing this to happen. At some point, I might just say, hey, I don't want to compete at the world level until you make a fair playing field. Like, I really feel kind of passionate about that. Um, yeah. I'll still run the number one world time, um, as I have been, but, uh, I, I'm really getting a little disheartened and disappointed in the associations that are making these rules based on feelings and not based on the facts and science. Hmm. Wow. Well said. Thank you both so much, uh, for being willing to join the show, but also for being willing to speak out. This is a very controversial issue, even though I, I think it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, and it's incredibly bold of both of you to really be taking a stand and being willing to share your personal stories. So thank you. Oh, mahalo. Thank we appreciate you. you. Stay tuned because up next, Lauren and I talk about athlete Gwen Berry turning her back to the American flag during the national anthem at the Olympic trials. But first, I want to tell you all about one of my other favorite podcasts. It's called Heritage Explains, and it's hosted by our friends Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher. And they break down the big policy debates that you need to know about at a 101 level. Using news clips and music, they tell a story. But they also bring on heritage experts to explain complex issues. So go ahead and pull out your phone and subscribe to Heritage Explains so you can be in the know on issues like critical race theory, inflation, and China's carbon emissions. July 23rd is the first day of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. It's a year late, but we did indeed make it at last. There is often political debates that take place around the Olympics, and this year is certainly no different. One of the subjects of debate, the national anthem. Last weekend, Gwen Berry came in third for hammer throwing at the U.S. Olympic track and field trials, qualifying her for Team USA. As Berry stood on the podium to receive her bronze medal, the national anthem began to play. And instead of singing, she turned her back to the American flag and held up a T-shirt that read activist athlete. In an interview afterwards, Berry explained that she did not know the anthem was going to be played while she was on the podium. She told the press, quote, I feel like it was a setup. I feel like they did it on purpose, and I was pissed, to be honest. I was thinking about what I should do, and eventually I just stayed there and just swayed. I put my shirt over my head. It was real disrespectful. I know that they did that on purpose, but it'll be all right. I see what's up. 
And she continued adding, quote, it was funny because they said that they were going to play it before we walked out. It just happened that they played it when we were out there. So, you know, it's okay. I really don't want to talk about the anthem because that's not important. The anthem don't speak for me. It never has. But now a number of veteran and lawmakers say Barry should not compete on Team USA if she is ashamed of the flag in the national anthem. Senator Tom Cotton said on Fox News on Monday that, quote, if Miss Barry is so embarrassed by America, then there's no reason she needs to compete for our country. She should be removed from the Olympic team. And Representative Dan Crenshaw said on Fox that, quote, we don't need any more activist athletes. She should be removed from the team. You know, the entire point of the Olympic team is to represent the United States of America. And he added that, quote, it is one thing when these NBA players do it. Okay, fine. We'll just stop watching. But now the Olympic team and it's multiple cases of this, they should be removed. That should be the bare minimum requirement is that you believe in the country you're representing. Barry joined BNC News to discuss the incident and respond to calls for her to be removed from Team USA. I never said that I didn't want to go to the Olympic Games. That's why I competed and got third and made the team. I never said that I hated the country. Never said that. All I said was I respect my people enough to not stand or acknowledge something that disrespects them. I love my people, point blank, period. So, Lauren, your thoughts, should Barry compete on Team USA if she's not willing to sing the anthem or show respect for the American flag? So I think this might be a little controversial, (laughs) but I do think she should be able to compete. I I think not, quote unquote, standing up for America is so subjective and it sets such a dangerous precedent that if we are, who knows in the future, maybe not supporting transgender athletes would be not supporting, quote unquote, equality, which you and I disagree with that definition. But would they pull conservative athletes for standing up for the same thing? So I think... I look at her and I see I know she she calls herself a victim, but I see a victim of this victim mentality. This mm. this poor girl. I mean, she plays a sport and she is in probably one of the highest moments of her career. And instead of taking that moment and like just enjoying it and, and listening to the national anthem and uh, I mean, there are there are times to protest. She is now angry and as someone who gets angry a lot I, I know that the most of the time the best thing for me is just to, to stop and just let it go and and, and enjoy my life and, and don't let these little things kind of get to you and so I, I just look at her and it's she's a product of our society and the real issue here is our leftist news media who want to Put her up like a prop and, and say, oh, this is what all Americans do. Like, no, we should just ignore her. She should be the, like, lone wolf at the uh, at the Olympics. I think the Olympic Committee um, should do more to ban these presentations. I mean, I think it's totally fair if you say, okay, when you get up there, every athlete has to stand there either with their hands to their side or their hands on their heart. Like, you, that's when you're setting – precedence for every athlete but i think picking and choosing of like okay you really love america you don't love america you kind of love america it just it really goes against what america is representing and as like icky as it makes me feel to see her up there and as much as i would love to be like no anybody who doesn't support america (laughs) needs to stay home (laughs) you know i I just think it 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 sets a, a more dangerous precedent than it actually helps yeah well and i i do agree with you that i think she should not be forcibly removed from 
Team USA because she lives in America. She lives in a free country. She is allowed to say and do uh, what she wants within, you know, her First Amendment rights. I view her, though, as being highly hypocritical that she's going to the Olympics to represent Team USA. You are representing your country. And if you're not proud of that country, why are you representing that country? Uh, and, you know, probably as an athlete, there is a little bit of a mental shift that has to take place because for so long as an athlete, specifically in the field of track and I feel like I can say this as a former track athlete. It, it's such a, a singular sport where you're not actually on it on a team. Often, you're really you're competing against yourself. You're competing against your you know last best performance, your own time. Um, in her case, hammer throwing. Uh, so I think then there's probably this kind of mental shift that has to take place of like, okay, now I'm I'm no longer competing for me. I'm competing for my country, which is the Olympics. So I would love to see her kind of just be a little bit more clear and transparent uh and if she's not if she's not willing to represent the flag if she's not willing to sing the national anthem give respect for her nation i would say why why are you still competing you should step down and give that spot to someone else that's actually excited to represent their country but isn't that what america represents is that even when people it's it's like christianity it's like being a good person that you are a good person to even to people who hate you you know, and, and that's what I think America needs to stand up and say, like, yeah, that's what makes us great is that she can do this. And we're not going to say, oh, no, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to stand up and say, yeah, she, she's the outlier. But that's why we're we're great. And that's why we're America. Yeah. No, that that is a really good point. And I th- I would hope that that would be the message that the media would hold, like grab a hold of. And that that would be the message that's really, really promoted here is that spirit of freedom. I, I still view her as being pretty hypocritical for representing America, but not being willing to say I'm, you know, proud to represent my country. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that is a good point that we, uh, you know, we are Americans. We embrace freedom. You have freedom. Obviously, if you were coming from a number of other countries and not willing to, you know, respect that nation's flag, it would it would not go well for you. And uh so it, it's awesome to come from a country where you can express those freedoms and uh, even on, on a world stage still express those freedoms. And I hope every listener just this 4th of July, let's just be a little extra patriotic. Like let's <laughs> for every athlete that stands up there and disrespects the flag, let's just like go out there and just really celebrate America. Absolutely. This holiday. And I did think it was interesting that Representative Dan Crenshaw differentiated between what we've seen in the NBA with players taking a knee and putting their fist in the air versus what we're seeing in the Olympics. Lauren, do you feel like there is a difference there? Like we should have different standards for like NBA players versus Olympic athletes? I mean, the NBA is a private organization, but the Olympics really is too. I mean, there might be a larger committee in it. I mean, but at the end of the day, they're both profits driven and I don't see the difference as much because if you don't like what they're doing in the Olympics, just don't watch the Olympics. I mean, it is kind of a cool tradition where countries all across the world can come together and it it is a unifying force. But like we don't really need the Olympics. We don't really need the NBA. So at the end of the day, I see them both as profit-driven entities. And if Americans stopped watching the Olympics, I guarantee you the Olympics will 
do stuff to make the Americans <laughs> come back. You know, we, we're such a big economic driver. And it's the same thing with the NBA. I mean, go woke, go broke. Mm. Wow, I like that. Yeah. Go woke, go broke. I haven't heard that before. Wow, really? Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> you just claimed that, that yeah. you came up with yeah. that. Yeah. Total, totally me. Totally right here on the spot. Totally. <laughs> I mean, do you disagree? Well, you know, I, I think the difference is, of course, anyone you know in the world, I guess, could watch the NBA. Uh, I, I think there's just a higher level at the Olympics because the world is watching. Uh, so I, I think that raises the stakes a little bit of, uh, you know, who who are you really representing? Again, you're not just representing yourself. You're not just representing your state or your city or your family. You're representing your country in the Olympics. And I think that that demands a higher level of respect, of professionalism, uh, and of, of kind of that uh, team team spirit. So, you know, I I, I think business-wise, you're right. You know, they're they're both business entities driven by the dollar. But from a perspective of actually uh, the way that you carry yourself, I, I, I think there's higher levels in the Olympics. Like, I don't really – I mean, the Olympics is cool and it's fun to have in the background. Kind of like I March, love the Olympics. But, like, for me, it's like, oh, who really cares? Like, yeah, I think I know? feel that way about the NBA. No. I'm like, yeah. Well, that's what I feel like. You know, it's just like it's sports. You have fun. But, like, anybody who goes to the Olympics thinking, like – I'm representing America. Like, no, there's, I don't, I don't, I don't really care if you're great at throwing a hammer. Like, <laughs> cool. I'm sure you spent most of your life working on this. Like, you should be proud of your accomplishments. But at the end of the day, like, there's so many. I look at like moms or people who've worked really hard in their career or people who are doing a lot of outreach. Like, they represent America way mm. more than any athlete in. You know, mm. who can run really fast does. That's probably true. I'll give you that. No. <laughs> well, Virginia, now that you agree with me, I say okay. <laughs> let's leave it there and we'll be right back to crown our problematic woman of the week. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about a great way you can stay in the know on all the news the Daily Signal covers social media. The Daily Signal has an active presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are constantly posting news stories, clips from interviews, videos, and more across all our social platforms. Follow The Daily Signal on social media so you can get all the latest content from reels on Instagram to video clips on Facebook and political commentary on Twitter. Now it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to... The Bold Spa Lady from Los Angeles. Yeah, so we don't actually know the name of this woman. Her identity has been kept private, which I think is probably for the best. But earlier this week, a woman went to a fancy spa in Los Angeles when a biological man who identifies as a woman entered the woman's locker room, fully exposing his genitals to all the women present. One woman... With righteous anger, went straight to the spa staff to confront them about the situation. The video of that confrontation has gone viral. We're going to play you a clip. I will tell you that the entire clip itself is a a little graphic, so we're playing you a very PG version. He is not a female, sweetie. Okay. Girls down there, other women who are highly offended for what they just saw, and you did nothing, absolutely nothing. In fact... You sided with him. So we spa is an agreement with men that just say they are a woman. So I think that this is so 
interesting to see. I'm really glad that this woman chose to speak out. But what we're seeing here is that the transgender movement, that transgender agenda is beginning to affect people who probably haven't really thought a lot about this issue, haven't uh, maybe aren't even very political themselves, have never you know been forced to kind of take a, a hard line one way or another on this issue. But now, you know, people that are just trying to enjoy a nice afternoon at the spa are being confronted with this larger policy debate. Yeah. I mean, think of how many women in society like where a man has exposed themselves to them. And it's a jarring experience. I mean, like flashers and and we'll call them eggplant pics that women now receive on their phones. Like it is an experience where it's it's scarring. So this woman, you know, to some level had some trauma and she she ran up to the counter and th- it actually started on the Reddit subreddit of our public freakout. And it from there kind of went off into two debates where one side was like, yeah, like you just mentioned, Virginia, this is really unfortunate that this happened to her. This is righteous anger. Like she is just standing up for the other women and and the young girls in the locker room. And then on the other side, leftists now are like, wow, what a transphobe. I can't believe she did that. Think of what that guy is. And I think it just really shows we, we talk kind of in the ether of these transgender policies and, you know, how they can harm women. But we don't know the women in that locker room. Like what, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been a 14 year old's first ever exposure to the male body. And like, that's not really OK. And or it could have been a woman who was sexually assaulted. Like there are so many cases of women who can really be harmed by this. And, uh, you know, kudos to this woman for, for standing up and and making her voice heard and you know maybe i wouldn't have done it with quite as many (laughs) but you know what you know but you know what when she asked like why is he allowed in there the person at the desk said well it's his gender identity and she said well that is and then she used a word for a male appendage (laughs) and i think that's just such well it's crude it's just a way to put it like it might be his gender identity but it, it doesn't change the physicality of, of who he is. And I think we just need to be more thoughtful and think through better solutions that doesn't harm women. But, you know, maybe the spas do now have a single sex bathroom, you know, where you just kind of I call them onesies when you just go in by yourself. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like the option of just having men being able to change in front of women, men are going to take advantage of that. And we need to protect women in all spaces at all times. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that underlying, yes, we want all people to be, you know, respected, to feel honored. Uh, you know, if if you're an adult, you obviously have, you know, freedom to make the choices that you want to make. Uh, but that full encompassing of, of respect and honoring everyone applies also to the women who are sitting in that locker room who, you know, don't want to be flashed by a man, by a biological man. Uh, I think it is powerful to see a woman who is speaking out, being bold, and uh, not mincing words, just saying it how it is. So congratulations to the Bold Spa Lady for being crowned our Problematic Woman of the Week. And with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world. And we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do get your podcast. It really does make a difference. Have a great week and happy July 4th. Go enjoy fireworks, eat hot dogs and hamburgers. 
celebrate our freedom, sing the anthem. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.